this is our very, very, very special guest, Ruthie Stevens. For those of you who don't know her, she is an actress. She's a very good actress. She's about to play Mrs. Lovett in Sweeney Todd. She's fiercely British and wonderful. Um, and she is also a fashion blogger known by the alias Ruthie Darling. She is a tremendous fashion blogger, fashion writer, uh, lifestyle writer. Um, she's an incredible, fierce, fabulous human being. And she's with us today to talk about Audition Fashion. She has a new show on Facebook that's called Ruthie's Rules, which um, talks about audition fashion, which is a question that I know a lot of my viewers have been asking me to talk about. And, you know, as I always say on this show, um, take what we say with a grain of salt. If it is something that resonates with you, please hear it and take it in and, and use it. If it doesn't, this is just two people's opinions, but it is two very educated people in this, this kind of world who are here to provide a free service for you. So if you have any questions for us or for Ruthie or for me that has nothing to do with fashion, we are here for the next hour and we're gonna be talking and answering your questions. So feel free to put them in the comments below. We are so excited. Before we start talking, I do wanna say one thing. Some of you guys may have noticed that I have been talking about this new thing called the Slate Society, which I started. Um, and I just want to reiterate that registration is still open for our summer cohort. We have just a few spots left. Um, and our summer cohort really is about education within a community. So it's about community building. It is about meeting other people and seeing them again and again. You're going to have two master classes, uh, workshops about audition workshops. You're going to have a barbecue in my backyard. We're going to do a one-on-one -on -one coaching session. You're going to get to have a Q&A with Matt Roden. You're going to get to have a Q&A with me. All sorts of cool stuff. So if you're interested in that, go to my website, kate-lumpkin.com slash nomarking, and the registration form is all there. It really is all about community-based learning. I want to start a revolution that allows people to realize that we are a community and we need to empower our artists. So that's what this is all about. For more information, go check that out. Now, let's talk with you. So, that was a lot of talking. That was like two minutes and 47 seconds of me talking. So you can talk. Hi! Hi! Yay! I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. Such We're so darling. I know. Well, look how fabulous and fashionable she already is. Now, what we want to talk about today is accessible, affordable fashion mm -hmm. and styling for not just auditions, but for the industry, for um, networking events, yep. for all of those kind of things. So I just kind of want to let you take it away. I know you had said you wanted to talk a little bit about <laughs> audition. <laughs> or not. I don't know how to put you on the spot. It's fine. Um, so just a reminder, if anybody has any questions, specific questions about uh, audition uh audition fashion, audition choices for what to wear, how to break your uniform, all of that kind of stuff, put them in the comments below, we'll answer any questions. Well, I actually have a question. I, would be, I would be curious to know, for the people who are coming out of drama school, or whatever you call it in America, drama sure. school, mm -hmm. um, what you're being told to wear for auditions. I, I would be curious to know what your teachers are telling you you must wear, because it does feel like there's a uniform going on in the audition rooms. And I just wonder why that is. I would completely agree. And from your perspective, what do you think that uniform is? I think it is. Obviously, nude pumps. Don't hate me. Um, and it feels like tight skater-type dresses, so short dresses, often made of quite cheap-looking materials. Sure. Um, fit and flare, short. That's it, basically. I agree. So we see this all the time. I think if we're talking about a uniform for men and women, clearly women, I think it's like a jersey dress. Jewel tone. Jewel tone Always jersey dress. Jewel tone. Always. And this is like, this is common knowledge. We all know this is the truth. I think even people who are wearing these uniforms know this is the truth. Oh. Um, from, uh, we're like both leaning in. <laughs> uh, 
I hear they're being told to show the legs if they're girls. Interesting. Oh, that is interesting. Interesting. Um, oh, we got another. Let's see. I think we talked to show the legs. Thank you. Um, I think it's de facto type uniform, not necessarily what people are telling ladies to wear. Great. Okay, so no matter what, though, whether you're being told in school or whether it's de facto, there is this kind of uniform, I think, for women, especially, of, like, a, a jewel tone or a single color dress mm -hmm. um, that's, like, fitted, maybe shows the legs, like you're saying, um, and, like, a nude patent leather specifically heel mm -hmm. um, and then for men we see one of two things it's either like the dress pants with the button-up shirt tucked in um, and or jeans and like a button-up shirt right. and that's kind of across the board what I see most of the time in open call situations specifically mm -hmm. um, but not just open call in, in appointment-based auditions as well and that's usually for musical theater but I do see that also crossover into plays and whatnot right um, they're always, oh, hi, Lucha Nancy, hi. Um, they're always telling me to wear what's comfortable. I've always been comfortable wearing a flannel or a button-down casual shirt and boat shoes. I think for you, knowing you, that's actually exactly what you normally wear, and that feels like a very, um, very... And actually, that's a great point, because I comfort and authenticity, I think, are the most important things. And what I feel about this uniform that I'm seeing of the, the fit and flare dress is it's not authentic. Like, I don't see anyone out in the street maybe five years ago, but not now, wearing these tight fit and flare dresses and sky-high nude pumps walking around the streets of New York. So it just does, it feels disingenuous. It doesn't feel like you. So you're going into the room and you're trying to perform a song that is you, but you're wearing this stiff ensemble that isn't fresh, that isn't creative, that doesn't tell us anything about your personality. We have to glean it all from the 30 seconds you're singing a song. You're not giving us anything to work with, I think. So then here's my question for you, because this is something that I'm so excited that you're doing in your show um, is talking about how how do we break away from that uniform so I know a lot of the people that I work with and a lot of the people that have commented on things that I've posted about um, audition fashion say things like we don't have a lot of money um, this is what we've been taught fashion is not something that's like instinctual for mm -hmm. us how do we kind of break out of this mold in a way that is like actually affordable and um, that feels authentic how do we find that kind of authentic I hate that word mm -hmm. Go with me here. Authenticity. Um, how do we find that thing inside of us that we can then show through our clothes? Okay. Well, I, I think that there are two really important points here. There's you as a person in your general life, whoever you are, and then there's the character that you're auditioning for. Yes. And you need to think about both those things and marry them together for what you're wearing for that particular audition. So I'm not saying ditch that dress and just wear pencil skirts because then we're back with the same problem. So I would take a look at what you like to wear generally, you know, are you, do you like to wear blue or denim or floral, whatever, and then think about the character and what they like to wear or what their kind of look is and try and blend them. I, I think that's a good place to start. Yes. Not to a place of costume by any means. Mm -hmm. um, I totally agree. I think the other tricky thing, though, is if you're going in for something like a cruise ship audition where there is no character, mm -hmm. it has to be about you. Right. And so something that I notice when people walk in and they are wearing that kind of uniform is it's going to take a lot more convincing for me as, as the person, you know, in the room with you to understand who you are and how you see the world. It's going to, it's like you said, going to have to come only from the music, only from the like two minutes that you're in front of me. Right. And sometimes that's not enough. It's so much more helpful to me. Uh, if you visually kind of represent, if your personal adornment also tells me something about who you are and how you see the world. And that, that goes across the board, not just in an audition that's just about who you are. I think, like you said, if you can marry those things, mm -hmm. um, 
it becomes a lot easier for me to understand what kind of work you like to do and, and how best we fit into the universe of this production. Right. You're expressing your personality and bringing that into the room as well as your talents. And I think that's an exciting combination because that's what makes live theatre interesting is the combination of actor and what they bring to the role. Particularly in musical theatre where these roles have been performed over and over again. It's what you're doing that's special. And, and I think you can really bring that in your outfit. You can tell someone who you are. I agree. We just got um, a thing here. It says, uh, Candace says, I feel like the audition standard used to be dressier than it is now, and every year morphs more and more. Do you feel we're at the place where ladies can now wear nice denim instead of just the men? I feel like men got the okay to start wearing it a while ago because of double standards. It wasn't necessarily okay for women. I'm all about that denim. I agree with you, though, that it does need to be like a nice, fitted, tailored denim. Um, unless you're going in for something where that's, it yeah. doesn't make sense. Um, if you're going for rent, I don't care if you're wearing a, you know, right. something that fits you. But your... you can balance. I mean, I think fashion and style is all about balance. So you can balance a denim with like a dressier top or like, I guess like my outfit right now. So I'm wearing these kind of like little denim jeans. Like you can see. Get over here. Um, and I'm wearing like a men's, it's actually my boyfriend's shirt that is obviously huge. Ooh. on <laughs> All right, free. Um, I'm wearing my boyfriend's shirt, which is obviously enormous, but I've fashioned it into this kind of like off the shoulder, you know, and rolled up the sleeves a bit. So I think, you know, you've got the, the, the denim bottom and then this sort of oversized but still sexy top. I think you can just be really creative, but as long as you keep it balanced. So if you're wearing sky high heels, don't wear a mini skirt unless, you know, you're trying to pick up some clients on the way. Here's one thing I do want to say. <laughs> Push her out. Um, there's one thing, and I've said it before, and I just want to reiterate it, is um, if you are coming in for a musical audition and you are wearing a short skirt and you are going to talk to the accompanist, be really, really conscious about if you're a woman doing this or if you're a man wearing a short skirt, go for it. Um, just be really conscious about where you are standing in terms of the, relative to where everybody else is in the room. Because a lot of women, especially in the summertime when we start wearing these like shorter dresses, which are beautiful, um, don't take in the rest of the space. And then they lean over to work with the accompanist to talk through the rhythm. And, and, and um, we get more of a show than we signed <laughs> up for. And I, I try, if I see that happening, to be very respectful and, and say, Ooh, Lady Dove, stand up for me. You know, but, um, there's no need to put yourself in a situation where you don't have total control over what parts of your body that we see. So that's just my casual reminder mm -hmm. to uh, be aware of the length of your dress and where you're standing. Um, or, you know, the, the cut of your dress. Either way, whatever that is. But I think the casualization, like you were talking about, of well, the whole world has been casualized. You know, sure. Because of, like, streetwear is sort of coming into fashion so much and casual Friday. So you're right. I think there is a more casual vibe. But I really think... This is good for us, actually, because we can feel more comfortable. We can feel more like ourselves. But you just got to elevate it with something. So, like, adding a big piece of jewelry. This was one pound, one English pound. So, like, two American dollars. Two American dollars. And, it, you know, it's ridiculous. But it also elevates this outfit into something like, oh, that's exciting, and like a little bit of bling, whatever. Um, yeah, I think you can elevate streetwear and casual clothing with a few little flourishes that make it feel authentic. It feels more like you when you're more kind of relaxed in your outfit, I think. And I, you know, I've talked about this kind of stuff before, and a lot of times people give me feedback like, oh, well, I don't dress like you. I, I don't, fashion is not a thing. Let me be very clear, and I'm sure you probably feel the same way. I don't need anyone to dress like me. In fact, fashion is one of the ways that I personally love to express who I am. For me, it is an 
it's an art. I think you would mm-hmm. say it's the same thing. It's an art. I'm very, very, very passionate about it. I care very deeply about it. I don't need you to be that at all. I don't need you to dress like me. I, in fact, I don't want you to dress like me. What I do want is for you to represent who you are and how you see the world through your clothing. And when you don't elevate your outfit or think about balance or think about the context of what you're going in for, or if I see you wear the same outfit three times in one week and it's very clear that you have one thing that you wear for everything, it just kind of makes me think, well, who are you? How do you walk into the world and and show yourself to the world? And I just know that one audition outfit that you have that you put in your bag you're going out into the world in something different. You're wearing something else. How can you take that thing that you're already wearing, that's already in your closet, and do what Ruthie's talking about and elevate it to something that actually is a representation of the show or is a, rep- is, is a kind of, I like to call it the second date version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, how can you, what do you look like when you've already met someone, you've already made that first impression, but you're still like, I still want to kiss your face later. Um, what is the second date version of that outfit? And that's so helpful to me in the space. And I think it's really helpful to a creative team as well. And I think there's a big difference between fashion and style. I know a lot of people are scared of fashion and it's very fast turnover. This is the new trendy thing. But um, I actually interviewed a woman recently and I said, do you need money to be um, fashionable? And she said, yeah, you need money to be fashionable, but you don't need money to be stylish. And I think that's great advice. You can be stylish. You can have five outfits in your entire wardrobe and be stylish. Will you be fashionable? Maybe not, because things change. But you can always be stylish. So I think that's something to think about. I love that. We just got a question. So uh, are there specific dressing etiquette differences between auditions and callbacks? It may depend on the type of show, but generally I feel perhaps it's best to dress up a bit more, perhaps, for a callback. Here's my answer to that. Um, you know, some people are very specific, like if they wore a specific leotard to a dance call, they're going to wear the same leotard the next day to the callback, which I think can definitely work in your favor. If you're wearing like a bright pink leotard in that first dance audition and you wear it again the next day, my eye is directly to you. I'm like, oh, pink mm-hmm. leotard girl. Great. I'll probably know your name, but I'll still definitely like, uh, you know, put you in the same place. I don't think you need to be more dressy for a callback. If what you wore the first time put you in a place where you felt right enough to the place where we call you back, I don't think you need to impress anybody anymore. You by almost like, go in the opposite direction, I would think. I mean, I think you just have to kind of gauge the space. Is it someone that you know very well? Someone who's seen you in multiple outfits? What is the world of the play? Look, or if they're if giving you like a specific callback part, like before you were just up for anything, and then they say, oh, can you read... For, you know, carry. the butler. Exactly. (laughs) Then Then you might want to wear a blazer. Yeah. Here's the other thing that I really want to hit on about what to wear for auditions. Read the breakdown. Read the breakdown. Read the breakdown. Read your appointment email. Read your appointment email. Read your appointment email. If, (laughs) If someone has taken the time to write out what you need to be wearing, or giving you specifics about the world of the play. Read it and know it, because we see when you haven't. And it says a lot about you as a business person, not necessarily Mm -hmm. about you as an actor, but you as a business person. You haven't taken the time to do the things. If we say you need to bring dance attire because we might have you dance, make sure you have all of your shoes. Make sure you have a dance outfit that you feel makes you feel confident, but also lives in the world of this Mm -hmm. play, right? If we, you know, say this is 
1800s in Victorian England, then we've given you a clue. Yeah. Especially if it's a new work that you don't know about. You don't know all the details. If we give you a clue in the breakdown, listen to it and follow it. Uh, you know, you understand what the world of Thoroughly Modern Millie is because we all know what that show is. But if it's a new work, we try to give you clues as to how to best. And to me, that's a really exciting part of having a new work or a, an audition for a play that you haven't been in for before. I mean, to me, I'm like rubbing my hands together and going through my wardrobe. But that, I guess that might not be the same for everyone. I don't know. <laughs> but I actually, I wanted to share a story about dressing um, for auditions that happened to me the last week. Mm-hmm. So I had two voiceover auditions in one day. Now, bearing in mind, I get about one voiceover audition every five years in general. So I was like, okay. And my agent actually said to me on the phone, it's a voiceover audition, so you don't have to dress up. And I was thinking, like, does she know me at all? Anyway, I went to the... (laughs) I'm sure she does. (laughs) I mean. Um, So I went to the first audition, and uh, it was for uh, Janet Eisenberg, I think. And she freaked out over my shoes. They were a pair of sneakers, cost me four pounds, and they say flawless on them, like flawless. She was going on and on about them, and I told her where she could buy them. It's actually in Staten Island, bizarrely. So then she started writing down recommendations for places to eat in Staten Island, and then she called me in again the next day for another audition. And she was like, I just wanted to see what you were wearing. But I had another audition. So, I mean... And this is is the thing, is... Your clothing gives you another opportunity to create conversation with people. And we know that this industry is all about conversations. And the thing is, like, right, maybe you weren't right for that first audition that you went in Mm -hmm. for the voiceover. But she remembered you. She had a conversation with you. She liked you as a human. And so then when there was another opportunity for something to work, you were immediately called back in. Yeah, and the same thing happened with the second audition. I went in. The woman liked my dress. We talked about fashion, about how to dress for a larger frame, blah, blah, blah. The end of the so when I was actually doing the audition, she was so helpful because we'd had this nice conversation, and at the end, she actually said thank you for talking to me. And I thought, wow, people aren't talking. And does it mean I get the job? No, of course it doesn't. But does it mean that I get remembered and I get more time in the room? Absolutely. And I think yeah. And again, that doesn't have that that happened because of one pair of shoes. Right. So it's not like you walked in wearing some sort of like Met Gala experience. This was like a pair of shoes that was really specific to who you are and how you experience life. Mm -hmm. And it was intriguing and it's something that we wanted to have a conversation about. I do this all the time. And I see people come in and I'm like, oh, girl, those boots, honey, yes. Or like, where is this dress from? And anyone who's auditioned for me knows this is real life. Anyone who's been on a creative team with me knows that I'm like, where did you get it? And I'm like <laughs> writing it down. And that's not going to work in every room. Not every casting director, a, most likely a 60-year-old kind of straight man is not going to ask you where you got your dress. However, you don't always know who else is in the room. You don't know... Um, who is going to be intrigued by what. And the truth is, if it makes you feel fabulous, if it makes you feel grounded, if it makes you feel um, connected to the work that you're doing, who cares what anybody else yeah, does? And, and, oh, and in like an ECC or something where you're like in and out, in and out. I was in one of those for Sunday in the Park with George, which they weren't really auditioning for. But, you know, it was just in and out. And they loved my dress. And we stopped and had a conversation just for a minute but when you think about everyone going in for 30 seconds and I was in there for a minute and 30 just because we were chatting about a dress, it's, it's priceless, I think, you know, just to have that pause and then you can, you know, take the room. I really think it's worth it. And this goes back to another thing that I talk about that doesn't have to do with fashion, but I just want to reiterate, 
you also were aware enough in the space that when someone tried to engage in a conversation with you, you were listening and you could have that conversation. I just like to remind you, since we're on the topic, if someone tries to say something like, oh, where are your shoes from? Don't start walking out the door. <laughs> Don't start walking. Engage in the conversation. I call this kind of the, the cone of shame syndrome. You know when you put a dog in the cone and they like can't see anywhere outside <laughs> of it? I often notice when people come in and they have their kind of cone around their neck and I try to engage and they can't see outside of this cone. So the conversation is done. And I have to be like, don't, don't go, stay. So, you know, if you are wearing something that someone tries to talk with you about, take a beat and, and have your minute. I love yeah, that. Yeah, it's an have opportunity. Your, have your minute sure. and a half in that moment. We had a question. Hmm. Shauna asked, what advice do you have for more curvy female with an ample chest so you don't look larger? Okay, so I think the number one okay. tool here is to do not drown your figure in fabric. You, you need to, you don't want to wear things that cling, but you want to wear things that skin. So I think skinny girls can get away with wearing like oversized shirt dresses and look really cool. But Or people in general with no boobs. Right. But if you have breasts, you're going to look matronly. You're going to be like Ina Garten chic, if that is a thing. She's fierce. Ina Garten chic is a real thing, Listen. but it's not necessarily an audition thing. <laughs> she can... Love she, her. I love Jeffrey. Honey. She can do everything right. Yeah. So you, I think you have to sort of go against what you think. You might want to cover things up. Don't. You've got to enhance it. You've got to enhance your silhouette and show it off. Don't wear things that are clingy and show the rolls, but wear things that skim. Wear a deep V. You know, don't cover up the titties. Is that rude in America? No! I love it. The ladies. Yes, the ladies. Um, don't cover them up. I mean, you don't want to cough and have your tits fall out, but, but definitely show enough cleavage so that they can see your body. That would be my I, advice. I agree. And honestly, I think that's good advice for anybody. Um, know your boundaries. Know your body. Know what you like to show no and what nipple. you like to share. This is for men and women. <laughs> no nibble. <laughs> uh, no nibble. Uh, keep it together. But know what you like to share. And then um, once you know kind of your personal boundaries, make sure that you are, you know, showing showing your figure. Yeah. Um, it's just helpful. It's useful. And it's, it, it's um, something that that allows us to better understand who you are, how you feel about your relationship with your body. Um, I would say go vintage for the, the larger ladies. Think of like um, wiggle skirts, cinched in belts. Shonda has just said oh. thank you for saying titties. <laughs> My pleasure, anytime. Um, <laughs> yeah, go for vintage. Like the more modern looks of like these oversized things like I'm wearing, it's kind of like off the shoulder, whatever. I think definitely go back to the 40s. And, and the 50s, that kind of look is really going to suit a bigger figure. So do a little bit of research on, yeah, like Dita Von Tees, that kind of look. Fierce. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I think, um, oh, I just got, yes. <laughs> oh. um, I think that the other thing truly is, I just have to say right now, like all bodies are beautiful. All bodies can be dressed any way. A lot of it is about how you carry yourself as well. So I don't care if you... Uh, you know, have large breasts and are wearing a huge oversized shirt, if that's what makes you feel awesome and powerful, and that's what makes you feel like you're going to walk in and give the best performance. But if wearing that is not going to make you feel great, then don't do it. Find the thing that makes you feel awesome and grounded and connected to your text and connected to the world of this experience. But if you are going to wear that oversized shirt and you're big, text me a picture and I'll, I'll let you know the truth. That's fair. That's totally fair. I mean, yes, I'm not saying don't dress smart. Uh, don't highlight the things that, that you should 
be highlighting or want to highlight and want to share? Absolutely. Hi. Um, but I, uh, I just think that yeah. it's a confidence thing. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, I also, a, a thing I wonder a lot about that uniform that we're talking about, the kind of, we all know the jewel tone dress and the heels. Um, I wonder, there are people who I know personally, who I have seen and who I have helped get jobs um, who wear that. But they come in and the confidence is like through the roof. The vocals are through the roof. Like at some point, what you're wearing didn't even matter. I mean, there is no substitute for talent, obviously. We're not saying if you wear something amazing, you're going to get a job. That's ridiculous. But everyone's good, at least at the auditions I'm at. I never hear anyone particularly bad in a room. I'm always like, wow, she was amazing. So I, I guess it's just adding an extra layer Mm -hmm. of frosting to this talent cake that you've built. Well, and this is something that I will say, for those of you who don't know, I did study personal adornment and anthropology when I was in college, and one of the things that we talked about a lot is the notion of the business suit and the military uniform and things. These things are created so that people are not individuals. A uniform is put into place so that you represent a building, mm -hmm. you represent a brand, you represent the military. Your identity is stripped from you when you put on a uniform. And that is done strategically on purpose. It becomes about the business. It becomes about the country. It becomes about the purpose you are serving. So for me, when you're wearing something that lots of other people are wearing, it doesn't become about you anymore. It doesn't become about your craft or your art. It becomes about kind of the whole world of EPAs. It becomes a whole thing about the world of where you went to college and your BFA mm -hmm. and all these things. And I don't really about that and you know if all you have in your wardrobe are the things that I hate this jewel tone dress skater thing and the new pumps we can work with that yeah so if you've got you know a, a red skater dress take away the new pumps and think about adding like a hot pink like it's an unexpected color combination together but it works put on a big necklace or sometimes like um you know the little head scarves the square ones you get the vintage ones yeah. you put in the hair I sometimes wrap it around my wrist and tie in a little bow and maybe put a bracelet on it's just like a more unusual way to wear a scarf that will make people comment. So you, you've already sort of like lifted this look from the new pumps in the red dress to some you know, hot pink, a little scarf. I've also, there are also lots of options for what that nude heel is, right? I'm not against a new heel. I wear them mm. almost every day. I'm wearing them right now. <laughs> I just pulled this off of my foot. <laughs> um, this is from Old Navy. It's also one of the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn in my entire life. Shoe. It was under $20. I wear them every day. I bought three different pairs of them because I know I'll wear them every day this summer. It goes with everything, right? It's nude. It goes with any color. It goes with any pattern. And it's really affordable. And that's why people wear the nude, I think, because they think this is neutral. It'll go with everything. But you know what? I think every color goes with everything. I really do. Yeah. I mean, I wear my green pumps with almost every outfit, unless it's like, you know, a green that will clash with it. Everything else works. Yellow shoes, I think, are neutral. Yellow shoes go with everything. In fact, I had a man come in and audition for me with, like, the coolest blue suede shoes I've ever seen. And this was not, like, a million-dollar quartet audition. Like, it wasn't like he was trying to be mm -hmm. Elvis. But they were really beautiful, like, vintage blue suede. And he said he got them for, like, 18 bucks at a, at a vintage shop. And we had a whole conversation about it because they were so cool. They were, like, bright blue. They were awesome. And it went with his outfit. And it, it didn't match. Nothing right. matched. Um, but it was really it was really special. And, again, it caused us to stop. And I remember specifically this man sang a song that like two people before him, someone else had sung. And it didn't matter because there was something else that made him unique. I know you talk about the astonishing effect, 
which I think is hilarious because I have something called the Sutton Foster effect. Um, so clearly he's talking about someone who's like making waves. Um, will you talk about that? Yeah, so the astonishing effect is um, if you're an EPA or an audition and you're lined up and the nine girls ahead of you go into the audition room and sing astonishing, what would you do? I would not sing astonishing. I would be like flicking through that book like, oh my God, what am I going to sing? Because you want to differentiate yourself from these people and they've heard it nine times. It's like, okay, enough already. Then I think that's what's going on if you continue to wear the same thing everyone else is wearing. It's just bringing the same thing into the room. You, you want to stop them and stand out because you're different. And you are different. You're everyone just, is different. Everyone is different, but, but you're more different. But you're more different. Um, okay, just a reminder, if you have any questions and you're watching, please feel free to put them in the comments. We would love to take your questions. Um, I do have a question for you, and this might not be something that you okay. know a lot about. I know a little bit. Um, I, have, I have some thoughts as well. How about a dance audition? As someone who you would not consider yourself like a dancer first, yes? No. Great. Mrs. Lovett over here is like, <laughs> I'm struggling to make the pie. I'm yes, <laughs> struggling exactly. to like learn the, oh, no, wait, what's your rush? What's your hurry? Um, so if someone's more, go of, on. It's more of a mover, <laughs> yes. if you were called in for a movement call mm. um, and you're not someone who's coming in with like the, you know, the high cut bikini brief and the cute, you know, fishnets and your ladukas and all the things that like would be appropriate for a dance call, what do you think is something that's appropriate to wear? And I'd love to talk mm. about what I see and that kind of stuff. Well, I think what I would wear, I'm not sure whether this is appropriate, but I would kind of go for like a Judy Garland, a star is born vibe. So I think Fierce. I would... <laughs> Well, I think what I would do is wear some tight leggings, but wear like an oversized man's shirt over it. Maybe belt it, but maybe not. And I would roll up the sleeve so you could see, you know, sort of the slimness of the arms and the slimness of the legs. But, you know, the rest. Hmm. So I think that's what I would wear. So here's what's awesome about that. I've never seen that in a callback or in a dance call at all. I've, I've never seen someone get, first of all, I think I'd give a Judy Garland a star is born moment. Fierce. Oh, God. No, I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And I love that, like I said, I've never seen it before. So it would be it would be something very unique and very special. And I know you would only do that if it made sense for the world of the I mean, show. If you're a dancer, obviously your body's part of it. So I think that maybe wouldn't be appropriate for a chorus line. But like you said, 100% more... not appropriate for a chorus line. <laughs> but do not course... give me stars born moment for chorus line. But if it is a movement call, yes. then, then I think I would wear something that would make me feel comfortable. And I know that for most people, like wrists and ankles are pretty slim. So highlight those, definitely. I love it. Yeah. Here's one thing I will say about um, a dancer call specifically. One of the things, and you know, I for those of you who don't know, um, one of the things I cast a lot of is um, cruise ships, and so we do a lot of like we are looking for schwack schwack boom fierce commercial dancers. And there's this trend right now of wearing these kind of like tennis skirts almost, or like dancer mm -hmm. skirts. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I will say consistently, I hear from creative team members who are dance um, specific. It cuts off the line in a way that doesn't highlight all of the things that you want it to highlight. So uh, apparently the biggest trend in England of people, what they come in to wear for a dance call, is that like brief, a short high cut um, brief with a fishnet, your your um, character shoes, and uh, then like either like a bra top, like a bralette top, mm -hmm. or um, like a small t-shirt or something that then shows off the entire length of your leg and gets you cut all the way up above your hip, which is so useful and so specific. And it's like, it was big in the 80s, yeah, and now it's back. Yeah. But now it's back. It's like, it, I'm not saying like make it in like a 
bright purple and aqua experience. Like we're very specific, like a black brief and the fishnet. But it shows the line mm-hmm. so beautifully. I mean, yeah, don't cut off the line of your leg. It, no. It, no. No, and this is like the big trend. Everyone wears these little like tennis dance skirt things for a commercial call, and it's I think because they want to cover their ass, right? I mean, literally. Yeah. I think people have issues with their bottoms. With their bottoms. Um, Talk I, about it with a therapist and wear some high cut pants. From her mouth to God's ears, there it is. <laughs> there it is. But truly, it's very, it's very useful. It's very helpful. Um, or you know, just like a leotard and the and the thing. Uh, anything that doesn't cut off your lines anywhere in your body is super useful and helpful. If you're going in specifically for a commercial dance audition um, or for you know like a chorus member in a dance show, just a thought. Um, looks like we got another question. So would you wear a? D- this is so funny that we like. Hi. Um, so would you wear a dance sneaker as a mover, or always wear a heel no matter what? Women, nine times out of ten, wear a heel. It should say specifically in the breakdown or in an audition. Um, if you're like someone who's coming in for a mover call, you've gotten an email appointment at that point, and it should say specifically what we're looking for you to wear. Um, I mean, if it was like rent, you know, maybe you would wear like a, a flat boot or something. I could see, but I think most of the time. And that really depends on the production and it depends on what, you know, again, specifically if it's a mover call, most of the time that means you've gone in to sing first and you will have an appointment which will be very specific about what to wear to Mm -hmm. that call. Um, Because it could be a production of Rent where everyone is going to be wearing heels. And so everyone needs to wear a three-inch, you know, character heel and we ask for that specifically. Or if it says nothing and you feel more comfortable in a pair of boots and you think you can move in those shoes, as long as they allow you to turn and allow you to feel grounded, wear them absolutely air on the side of heels right i think mostly for women air on the side of heels nine times out of ten you're going to be wearing heels on stage i feel like that's kind of the norm Mm -hmm. um but again any appointment email worth its salt from our end in my opinion should be as specific as possible and telling you what to wear especially if you're not someone who is a dancer um and we're asking you to come in for a movement call so truth be told part of that is on us and i hope that other people are being as specific and and telling you what is most useful to the creative team Um, and if they don't you have every right to wear what makes you feel awesome and comfortable suits the world of the production and allows you to move to the best of your abilities yeah um, um, so for you, that's fierce Judy Garland as Star is Born. Why not? <laughs> why not? Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about what we were talking about earlier about um, for like a more general call. Yes. Would that, should we talk about that, I guess? Yes, we absolutely should. Um, so Kate asked me what she thought, you know, we could, what people would wear for a general call where there's not a particular part you're going for. Um, you just sort of have to represent you. Maybe they're auditioning for like five shows, like Nymph or something I like that. I think this also goes for if you're going into a class with a casting director, mm-hmm. if you're going to one-on-one, if you're going to meetings, and you're going to have to audition for an agent or a manager. Anytime where you're selling yourself versus a character. Yeah, exactly. So I was thinking that um, a good thing to do might be to look at the last three to four roles you've played on your resume. So if they're all ensemble, that's fine. Ensemble is clearly, you know, where you're at. But so if we if we look at my three, so I'm going to do Mrs. Lovett. I just did Disaster the Musical, where I played a crazy turban-headed rich lady, and then I did Meg in the last ship. So what do we say? I'm not an ingenue. I'm an ingenue. So definitely more of like hashtag ingenue. I'm so into it. I'm so gagged by it. What do I always say? Dig into the gag, honey. Find your gag and dig into it. new. She's dug into it. She's deep. Um, so definitely new. Le- leading lady, but a little offbeat. So that 
is what's going to inform what I would wear. So I don't want to present myself in a cute little pastel pink dress because they'll be like, who is this maniac? You know, I need to be those three roles in one. You know, I need to be kind of funny, a little bit offbeat, and a little bit more mature than an ingenue. And we talk about this a lot when we're talking not about fashion, right? When people come to me and they say, what's my through line, which is, you know... We talk about this a lot. I don't believe in type, but I do believe in through line, which is kind of the exact same thing here. Flip over your resume, and it gives you a map. It literally should be giving you a map of the things that people see in you and see in who you are as a human and as an artist and think that you as a human suit. What is that world? So flip over your resume, and not only will it help you figure out what style you should be wearing, how how you as a human experience characters, what worlds they live in, what time period these people are from. Mm -hmm. You consistently keep booking in, you know, in the 1940s. You consistently keep booking at encores and not in a contemporary world. Are you consistently booking, you know, next to normal and Dear Evan Hansen and these shows that are very contemporary? Um, that should influence right. every exactly. aspect of not only the material you're singing, or sorry, not only of the clothes you're wearing, but the material you're singing, mm -hmm. the way you walk into the room whether you wear heels or sneakers, these kind of things affect everything. So flip over your resume. Yeah. Or flip over your headshot. Look at your resume. <laughs> and I think that's a good point about sneakers too. Like, it's okay. Whatever you wear is okay. Yes. As long as you're comfortable with it and it's right for the part and it's right for you. So I think wearing... I have certainly worn sneakers to an audition before. Yeah. Like, you know, sort of like anybody's type role, something like that. I mean, I don't be afraid to take the heels off if they're not for you. Yes, and let me be very clear here. When I was saying heels for dancers, that's one, that's a very specific thing. Um, I do think if you're going in for a show that takes place, like we said, in Victorian England, you should be probably wearing right. heels because women, unless you're going in for like a suffragette and she's wearing, you know, boots, you can take all of these things into account. If you're going to wear heels versus, I, I think if you're going to wear flats, those little like ballet flats do nothing for anybody. Hooves. Hooves. They don't do anything for anybody. They cut off the line like we're talking about. They don't highlight your ankles in any sort of way. So if you're going to wear a flat, like wear a cool flat. Like wear wear chucks. Wear cool loafers wear that say flawless tops. on them. Yeah. Like wear high tops. Do something. You're allowed to wear flats, but make sure they still like... Make... I'm thinking like contemporary plays yeah. or like TV auditions. Even those... if you just wear cute little kids. Like, yeah, yeah. like that's fine. But make a choice with them. Don't wear those little ballet flats that... Hooves. Um, but if you're going to wear heels, you must know how to walk in them, ladies. Or gentlemen. Or gents. Mm -hmm. Whoever you are, however you identify, if you're going to wear heels, I need you to know how to walk in them. Because sometimes right. I get concerned when I see people walking into the space and their legs are doing this. Or when they get nervous. Like all human beings who get nervous, you start to shake. Yeah. Like, that's real life, and I get it. When you're in heels, it's highlighted mm -hmm. that that's happening. And all you've got to do is walk from the door, sing your song, and walk out. So as long as you can walk that far, you're probably all right. But what I always say is, honestly, you should be able to put your heels on at your house, walk to the subway, stand on the subway, walk into Pearl Studios, and then walk into the thing. I think I'm guilty of not doing that. That's totally fine. I'm not saying you actually have to. But what you need... But it will get you comfortable. It will get you comfortable. Yeah. If you can do that, do it, because it... It makes, it makes, once you're starting to walk into the space, you've been doing it for 20 minutes. Like, you've been doing it for an hour. Yeah. Um, and then that take, is good advice. I'll take that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and then take them, take them off and go get an ice cream once you've done it. Um, 
but it does get you grounded in them and, and it makes you uh, feel more comfortable mm -hmm. in a heel, I think. So Yeah, don't wear a new shoe to an audition. That would be a bad idea. Ladies or gentlemen, don't wear new shoes because they will hurt and mm -hmm. you will be uncomfortable. And, and you need to know where to put your weight in heel. I mean, heels aren't easy. You know, like um, the ones with the platform at the bottom are the ones that I suggest, especially if you're new to heels, because... Like a wedge? Like a wedge, or even the ones that sort of have a platform, like oh, a yeah. 70s kind of shoe. Yeah. Because then the angle of your foot is more like this, whereas in a stiletto, it's definitely more like that, and it changes your center of gravity. Yeah. So you might want to play around like with a wedge, or with a 70s platform, or a stiletto, see where you're comfortable, because all of those put weight in different places, so you need to kind of figure it out. So do you have... One question, I have two questions for you. The first one is, if you're going in for something specific, like Sally Bowles, mm -hmm. for example, how do you find the balance, like we were talking about, between costume and bringing yourself to the character? Yeah. It's a very specific world. How do you play with that balance? Well, that's funny you should mention that, because my next video is all about that. I'm a genius! Almost that, as if we that, planned like, it. We didn't. But I'm a genius. Tell me more. Yes, yeah, so there are two worlds that I find people in, either sort of not giving a shit, right, in, the, in their look, or they're in the world of costume. Like, they look like they're about to do a community theater production of Cabaret, and they're just, you know, so they've got the thing with the feather and the pearls and, you know, a wrap of cocaine with them. I mean, it's like too much. So, so please don't bring drugs to an audition. No, drugs are bad. Um... But so yeah, you have to find the balance between you, the authentic, what you wear normally, and Sally Bowles. So something I talk about in my video is um, I put a sort of vintage kind of shawl that I could see her kind of just throwing on, like a negligee type sure. top. But I paired it with some skinny leather pants and some platform, really like super high heeled shoes. So it was sort of like a more contemporary version. Like if Sally Bowles were sort of knocking around now, this is what she would wear. But of course, you can always keep it in the world of the 1940s um, without being costumey. You can wear sort of a more modern pencil skirt with a crop top, for example. Mm -hmm. So you mm -hmm. get to show off a bit of the sort of dancer body, but you're not wearing basically a negligee with pearls, which is what I see a lot of. Yeah. So then my question for you is, you're talking about like vintage shawls, you're talking about crop tops, these kind of things. Do you have any places for men or women, for both? Um, that you like to shop at that's affordable, that we were talking about the difference between fashion and style mm -hmm. might be money. Um, and for those of us who are artists, you know, this jacket, this my favorite jacket here is from H&M. It was not expensive, but the way that I pair it with pearls and the way that I pair it, you, you can heighten things through mm -hmm. accessories. What are some of your favorite places to shop, especially, you know, most of the people who watch the show are in New York, yeah. um, to, to get pieces? Okay, well, they're not sponsoring us, but they should, because I'm about to suggest L Train Vintage. They have several stores all over Brooklyn, and they have one on 2nd Avenue. I think it's like around 11th or 12th. It's a vintage shop that, to me, feels like proper, cheap, thrift vintage, like, you know, a dress for $6. And you've got to have a rummage around, but some of the stuff in there is fantastic. It's like, you know, 1940s dresses, 50s skirts. I got like an, a pink 80s romper from there for $12, I think. So for Get cheap, your kinky boots audition, honey. <laughs> exactly. For like cheap stuff that is unusual, you're not going to see anywhere else. No one's going to walk in wearing the same thing as you. That's what I love about vintage. Because you see a dress in Zara and you're like, I love it. And then everyone's wearing it and you're like, oh, you know, so. Though Zara is also a great place to shop. Oh, yeah. I love it. Me too. I love it. Um, this is from Zara. Oh, it's cute. Thanks. Um, 
So yeah, try L-Train Vintage because everyone talks about how vintage is great because no one's going to be wearing the same and that's true, but it can get really expensive. Like Buffalo Exchange, stay the hell away. It's the same price as Topshop and Zara. It is Zara, really expensive. But it's been worn by some stinky other person, so no. L-Train Vintage. That's my L-Train Vintage. Great. Okay, and, and they have men's and women's. They have okay. men's and women's, and they have several locations all around Williamsburg, Bushwick, and the East Village. And so I think also for me, one of the things that I often do is buying things that are seasonal, that are like cool for now, that are dirt cheap and pairing them with something that is like a classic piece that yes. will last a long time. So like I frequently shop at places like Forever 21 mm -hmm. and H&M and um, oh god like some online places as well that are like dirt cheap places. Truly Forever 21 you can get big fun yeah. jewelry like this. You can get um, earring sets. You can get cool pieces and then you pair them with like really beautifully tailored denim. Right. You pair them with like a really wonderful pleated skirt that you can wear with lots of different things. Um, and so lots of my outfits, there are like five things in my closet that I've paid good money for, that I've had tailored, that that I really, really, really love. Um, and then I kind of pair them with other cheaper things that allow you to have like, we're, when we're talking about the uniform, this skirt might be something I wear all the time, but I pair it with lots of different things and right. it no longer is a uniform. And if you do want to spend more money and get those sort of five items, I would suggest Kos. Are you familiar with that shop? Mm -mm. It's a British store, but they have three in New York right now. And they're sort of more around, like a dress might be, say, $100. So it's definitely a higher price range, but not, you know, outrageous. $7,000. Please. Um, and their, their stuff is beautifully made, well cut, and basically everything is sort of white, navy, and black. Yeah. So I would recommend if you want to go and buy a black dress that you're going to wear with everything, and you're obviously going to dress it up in different ways, I would go with to yellow that. shoes because yellow shoes yellow go shoes. into everything. Exactly the new neutral. Yes. Yeah. Um, the other thing I will, I do want to say is, you guys know that I am a huge fan of Rent the Runway. If anyone follows me on Instagram, you know that Rent the Runway is my jam, and they have an unlimited program that I am a big fan of where you can have three items out at a time for one monthly fee. Um, and so that means if you're done with one dress and you send it back, you get another one, you can get three at a time. They have accessories, they have jewelry, they have dresses, all sorts of things. Now this is just for women, but if you're willing to pay like $100 a month, you have an unlimited closet at your disposal, which is fantastic. Because the other thing is once you know what your dress size is, nine times out of 10, a four is a four is a four, an eight is an eight is an eight within that kind of rent the runway world. So if you have an opening one night or a networking party one night and you need like a cocktail dress, they have it. If you need something that's a little more vintage inspired, they have it. So you can have a whole week's worth of clothes that are nice and tailored and beautiful that you can then return and get something else the next week. It's brilliant. And if you're in New York, the stuff, turn, the turnaround is this. It's nothing. It shows up at your door the next day. And I think one of the cheapest ways you could do this is um, rent your friend's runway. So if you have a friend who's wearing like this jacket I love, Thank you. you know, and I think, oh my God, this would be absolutely perfect for whatever audition I have. I mean, you've all got a friend who wears something and you think, oh, I love that. Why don't you help each other and get together and say, hey, could we do a swap just for a week? I just want to borrow that white dress and in return you can have that leather jacket that you love. Just, just while I do this one audition. I mean, think how many friends you have. Think how many wardrobes are out there in your social circle. Like, get talking and I think help each other. And then, like you say, you can sort of have this unlimited um, wardrobe. Rent your friends runway.
She's queen of the hashtags today. She got not so ingenue. Well, not ingenue. Not so new. And rent your friend's runway. Okay. I yeah. see you. I see you PR and marketing over here. It's like she's a writer. It's like she's a... <laughs> It's like she's also a writer. Um, great. Does anyone else have any more questions for us? We have about 10 minutes left. We can, of course, keep talking. But if you have any questions, if you've just joined us, let us know if you have any questions about auditions for dancing, for singing, for any of these things. So I guess my question for you is, it's not totally fashion. It is fashion related, but it's a little bit more. Um, when it comes to networking, mm-hmm. um, we've talked a lot about networking with with my community, um, about what is networking, what's not, but how do you find that you bring fashion outside of the audition room to meetings, to drinks, to all of that? How do you plan what you're going to wear to those kind of events? Networking is your time to shine. This is where you can let your freak flag fly when it comes to fashion, I think. If you think of a networking event, and there's just like tons of people, the first thing someone's going to notice about you, sadly, is how you look. So, it's not sadly. Well, it's an opportunity. It's how you look. Yeah. And so my first recommendation would be wear something colorful. It doesn't have to be like neon. But if you just think like sea of black dresses, black suit. And if you're the person in the bright orange dress and pink shoes, that's who you're going to want to talk to. And also I would say wear something that um, evokes a bit of conversation because networking events can be kind of hard to break the ice. So if you're wearing, you know, if you're gesticulating with this ring... I'm right? gesticulating with my ring. Yeah. Oh. Then, you know, it sort of invites someone to say, hey, I love your ring. Where's that from? Oh, by the way, my name is blah, 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 blah. So I think it can really be like um, a helpful way into a conversation. If you look like someone cool and someone you want to talk to, looks like an interesting person. And I and that can look like a lot of different things, too. Yeah, exactly. I, it can be anything. I also find that I instantly know when someone is in a costume of their own making, right? When something doesn't feel, when I when you talk to Ruthie, when you see her, this whole thing matches all of it. Like she is this person. She will tell it like it is. She'll say titties. She will, you know, she's Sorry, like, mom. no, I love it. She's like, she, she lets it all fly. And that's exactly, that's Mrs. Lovett. That's, you know, that's all of these things. It is a consistent through line. And I can always tell when someone shows up to a party and is wearing something that is a costume that it does not uh, represent who they actually are. So if the person who actually are wears chucks and a t-shirt and, and jeans every day, don't wear anything else to that networking party. Show up. Yeah, just elevate that style. So if jeans and t-shirt is what you like, you know, wear the white t-shirt and jeans and put on this necklace and put on another one too. Put on another huge piece. Why yeah, not? Yeah, why not? Make a huge statement. Or, or put a, a brightly colored scarf around your head. I mean, it, it's not... Rocket science, or it's not rocket surgery, as my mother likes to say. It's not rocket surgery. Not rocket surgery. I mean, Um, (laughs) is your mother an ingenazonu? She's a mega ingenazonu, bless her. You love her. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. I Um, do have one question here, and it says, okay, last one. Um, And this is a question I had a couple weeks ago. As a casting director, what do you think is the difference in an actor who has it thus is a Broadway-level performer and one who may not be. All right, well, first and foremost, in my opinion, Broadway does not mean you are an it performer. We have this idea that it is Broadway or bust and that you are not um, talented enough or that you are not special enough or something if you are not on Broadway. First and foremost, there are a lot of people who have it and uh, are not in a Broadway show because they are so it, they don't belong in any of the worlds in a commercial theater 
experience that we have right now in New York City. Um, and I love that. People people like to say to me, what is your casting style? And I say, I collect weirdos. I love them. Um, also, it's opportunity. I mean, it could be that you're amazing, but if you don't have an agent or you can't get into the room, I mean... Right. So there are a lot of things that, that might allow someone who is it... Um, and I call those people actors with umami. So for those of you who know what umami is, it's that flavor in things that's kind of indescribable. It's savory and sweet and powerful and also subtle. It is, it's that intangible flavor. And so actors with umami are the people who walk in and you're like, I can't not watch that thing. Um, and I truly believe that umami comes from knowledge of self and knowledge of the world. So when we talk about someone who has it, it is knowing the darkest truths about yourself and being able to apply those to the text that someone has given you. Because at the end of the day, being an actor is being a vessel, right? You are given text, you are given movement, you are given lights and costumes. The only thing that nobody else has control over is how you see the world and how you apply it to all the things that have been given to you. And so for me, the actors with the most umami are the ones who have done the most have taken the time, and that can be any age. You can be 14 years old. We see children who are like, Phew. part of that is just like natural ability, I think. And the other part is these people have had experiences that allow them to know themselves and to know how they see the world. And this is what we're talking about with clothing as well. It's part of the package, right? Because when you've taken the time to realize like that you, you know instinctively when you see your boyfriend's shirt, you can make it do this and like you look fantastic that's a, another thing you have done as a human to understand self and then to understand how to apply that to the work does that make sense i think that's that's the it that's the umami it's talent but everybody has talent if you're here that's beautifully put i think thank you you're welcome thank you do you have anything about that the yeah i think it's, no i think you're absolutely right and i think I sometimes berate myself for being sort of a late bloomer or being in arrested development because I feel like I'm only just now. Just a great show. <laughs> yeah, I'm only just now getting to, to find my feet in acting because I think I was never an ingenue. So when I was in that age of ingenue, I was like, "What am I doing? I'm drowning." But now I've become a little older. An ingenue, not so new. Yeah, <laughs> now I'm an ingenue, not so new. I'm finding myself. Yeah. But I think yeah, the more work you can do to to yeah, look at who you are and you know, kind of get a little spiritual, take some time, meditate, think about it, look at yourself, not in a judgmental way, but have, have compassion for yourself, I think. And take classes. This is something that I said before. Classes do not count as, things that don't count as a class are going in to like mock audition for someone, give them your headshot and walk out. That's a meeting. And um, people call them classes because that's kind of like what people know. Um, and I totally respect that and honor that those kind of experiences have to happen now. That's how people meet other people. But really find, if someone is providing an opportunity, and I'm not just saying this because I like to provide these opportunities. If I'm someone that resonates with you and the community that I'm building resonates with you, please come join us. I'd love to have you be a part of the Slate Society and do that kind of stuff with us. But I don't care. If you don't like me, great. If, if my community is not your bag, bye. Go find your people and do the work. Don't stop learning and don't stop doing that kind of deep work that we're talking about. And that involves, like, don't stop going to Zara and looking at all the things and being brave and finding something new. That and I think the classes don't have to just be acting classes. Please, more than you, that. You know, you can take a pottery class and in the meditative action of doing this 
figure something out. So I think, yeah, always being curious mm-hmm. and always learning, like you say, is, mm-hmm. is going to help you find some insight into who you are. And finding a good coach or a good therapist or just a good friend who challenges you to be more than you think you are. These are the things that... Shit's make- getting deep for a fashion hour. It's me. I'm not going <laughs> to... I think my authentic self, this is what I talk about. But I, but I do think the reason that um, people find success, to ask your question, the, the differentiating factor is it is the people who are constantly curious, like you said, the people who are willing to put themselves out there and, and give and receive feedback. Mm. Being a good, uh, being able to hear a note. This is something I was terrible at, terrible at for so long, and every teacher was so mad at me because I'd be like, I am listening. I do hear you. No, no, I've never gotten that feedback before. It's not, that's, that's why I wasn't a, a, a great actor. It's why when I realized who I really was and that I loved to ask questions and to hear feedback, but not through that channel, I became a happy, successful human. Um, if you want to be an artist, you have to know how to hear someone else's opinion and, and say, oh God, I'm doing that thing and then change it. And that I think goes back to fashion. It's or at least try. You know, At least actively just, try. Yeah. And that's what I, I think when we talk about the uniform. I've talked about it a lot, and a lot of people give me feedback like, I've booked with that. And I'm like, great. I'm so glad you have. Clearly, that means you've done work in other things. But there are a lot of people who the uniform becomes something that inhibits them from mm-hmm. exploration of self. And I think it's um, progress and not perfection. Mm. Right? Yeah. Always. Always. So, friends, it's 7 o'clock. I think we're going to go. Um, we're so grateful that you guys asked such great questions. And again, if you love Ruthie as much as I do, and I know you do because I've been getting messages and texts <laughs> about it, being like, she's amazing. She is amazing. Thank she's you. also wildly intelligent. So to find you, how can people find you? They can search for Ruthie Darling. That's my page for all things Ruthie Darling and fashion related. Or if you want to friend me on Facebook, you can definitely do that and look at my hideous fat pictures from 2007. They're beautiful. <laughs> All bodies are beautiful. I can't hear this. I'm not hearing this today. I'm kidding. Um, Ruthie Stevens is my name with a PH. Great. So Google Ruthie Darling. Find her on Instagram. Her Instagram oh, yeah. is so good. Um, in fact, I actually followed her on Instagram before she reached out oh, for really? coaching. I was already following her because she's a fierce New York oh, London yeah. fashion blogger. <laughs> so find her on Instagram. Follow her because it's always a good, colorful time. Um, definitely friend her on Facebook. She has her new series, Ruthie's Rules, which comes out once a week. Yeah, it's usually on a Sunday night, but because of this, I'm going to do it tomorrow, but usually Sunday nights. Great. Um, follow that for all sorts of advice. I know that you take questions mm-hmm. on that, and she makes special yep. videos just for that. Um, and if you like anything that I'm doing, uh, I'm so grateful that you're here. Feel free to find me at www.kate-lumpkin.com. You can find my blog there, which is no marking. You can always join us every Slate Sunday. Society. Slate Society is also my new project. I can't wait to build this incredible community of artists who are empowered, who know who they are and how to share it, uh, which is, of course, why it's called the Slate Society. When you slate, you tell us who you are, and, and it's your opportunity to share it. So that is all happening. If you're interested in that, you can, of course, find that also on my website. And the first summer cohort starts June 1st. So that's coming up, and we do still have a few slots. So I hope this was helpful. You guys have requested this like a million times, and we finally got fierce Ruthie Stevens to join us. Find her, Ruthie Darling. Find me, Kate Lumpkin. Thank you so much, guys. I hope you have a beautiful week. Being an artist is a fierce and terrifying reality, and I'm proud of you for doing the work that you're doing, and I hope you do. Have a good one.